Audio. Everyone has a story. How they got here, where they met along the way, the choices they made, the dreams they are chasing. Welcome to Anthologies of Hope. Welcome, everyone. As you can see, uh, I am not your host this week, or I am your host this week, but I'm not Carl Evans. I'd like to welcome everyone to another amazing episode of Conversations Cafe. And uh, I am Rick Osowski, founder and host of the Anthologies of Hope podcast and Hope for the Day surrogate and member of the Conversations Cafe production team. So you may have heard my name at the end of episodes or if you've listened to our Anthologies of Hope podcast. I'll be filling in for Carl this week as we continue the conversation on tonight's episode on the family, Parenting in 2020, Part 2. If you missed last week or uh, you want to tune in again, you can head over to Hope for the Day's Facebook and YouTube page after tonight's episode to catch up. Last week, my wonderful wife, Amanda, hosted a panel of moms from around the Hope for the Day family that uh, included staff, surrogates, and agents of impact, some of which you'll see some more agents of impact and surrogates tonight. This week, we have a panel of dads and families to dive in even further to some of the topics that we covered last week, and we'll be looking forward to that conversation. Through some amazing planning and coordination, uh, we you can also tune into this week's Anthologies of Hope long-form interview, the audio podcast that I release weekly on Wednesdays, uh, where I sat down with my wife, Amanda, to discuss the first 10 months of our parenting experience. Uh, the only catch is that interview was recorded over six months ago back in March prior to COVID, so it's a great juxtaposition for everything we cover here tonight and that Amanda and crew covered last week uh, from the, the other point of view. That interview can be found at anthologiesofhope.com or wherever you subscribe to podcasts by searching for Anthologies of Hope. If you missed out last week, we can recap everything here so that you know what you have in store for you. Um, and then obviously you would have more to go back and, and listen to either the audio, which will come out tomorrow on Anthologies of Hope. Or if you enjoy the video, you can hit up Facebook and YouTube, as I mentioned before. But 2020 has been a roller coaster of a year for all of us so far, and one that no one could have anticipated. So with the stress, surprises, detours, and cancellations around every turn, it's, uh, it's been a difficult year for everyone. Even more so for those of us who are parents, as we've navigated initial cancellations and closures of school and childcare due to COVID, mm -hmm. uh, racial justice, police brutality, the stress and anxiety that comes with any of the back to school seasons regularly, uh, as well as the uh, welcoming new members to your households. So with that, uh, this panel of parents we have here tonight will be sharing personally what 2020 has been like for them as a parent, and hopefully what they're looking forward to in 2021 uh, to help get us past what we're necessarily fighting at, at this time. So the, I will bring in our guests and uh, make sure we can hear them and see them and let everybody introduce themselves. Then we'll jump into everything so we can make sure that we have everybody uh, on board and you can, we can jump right into it. So first up, we've got Trevor Rose Hamblin, who is head brewer and co-founder of Old Irving Brewing Company. Let me go ahead, bring him in. He is a hope for the day surrogate and a member of the 86, the silence. Where are we going? There you go. Hey, there we go. Howdy. And uh, he's a member of our 86, the silence, um, uh, variant. And over the course of the summer, you may have seen a few appearances of him here with his uh, baby boy Griff, who's co-piloting with him tonight as well. So you can you can say hi there. Hey, guys, how's it going? Me and Griff hanging out. Nice. 
Uh, I've got a little picture in picture view here, so I can I can see him down there even on on my screen is is kind of blocked up here. So he's he's definitely uh he's he's all engaged tonight. So it, it's been awesome to see him grow up uh, over the summer. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we have Frank Reichert, who is a operations manager at GlidePath Solutions and also a member of Hope for the Day's Project Red Team. Uh, Frank is also a father to a 20-year-old son who they recently dropped off at uh, Texas A&M University for his sophomore year. So let me go ahead and bring in Frank's video and we can unmute Frank. There's Frank's video. We can see you and we should be able to hear you. Well, Excellent. yeah, thanks, Rick. Rick, it's, uh, it's good to be here today and uh, looking forward to the whole podcast. And then we'll also pivot to some groups of, of partners joining us tonight. So first we have Doug and Mary Mandrala, who are Hope for the Day agents of Impact, Impact and parents to children ranging ages from 25 to 33, and their oldest son would have been 38 this year. Well, they also have four grandchildren ranging in ages from three to six. So that's a, a full house and, and lots of personality as we were talking in, in pre-show. So we can hear you. We should be able to see you momentarily once your video comes on. Hey, there we are. Excellent. We also have a 15-year-old grandson. Excellent. Okay, I missed that. Sorry. That's okay. And then finally rounding out the crew tonight uh, is Jimmy and Tina Krantz, uh, more amazing agents of impact and parents to a 21-year-old son and their daughter would have been 23 years old this year. So let me go ahead and turn their video on and unmute them. And looking at picture in picture, we should have a full house. Excellent. Um, and if you haven't heard, you may have heard my daughter who likes to cosplay as a pterodactyl in the background. So uh, that, that'll be coming in uh, off and on as she's screaming and, and about going to bedtime. But uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us uh, as we go through uh, and you're talking. I may throw up some of the, the cutting cards that we have for your credentials and, and some of the advertising that we had for the episode. But I really just want to jump into the core of, of what the group talked about last week, as well as what we can continue to talk about this week, uh, because there's so much pressure on all of us just to get through every day. And as parents, we're then leading a family, leading a household, and it just, it feels like it compounds it. So um, we'll open this up to, to the floor to, to kind of kick it off, but then we can bounce around and see where it goes. And depending on uh, the, the ages that we walk through for some of the folks there, I, I don't know how much schooling Griff is doing currently, uh, but the, the rest of the folks may have uh, some school age questions and, and conversation and, and some things like that, but we'll kind of bifurcate there once we get to some of those questions. But um, for anyone that, that wants to kind of jump in and, and take the floor on this answer, how has 2020 changed your relationship with your partner? How has 2020 changed your relationship with your kids for better, for worse, or just different at, at all? I would have to say 2020 has been just an incredibly difficult year all the way around. Um, between work and, you know, all the, all the things that you have to do at work to stay safe because I'm in an office that I'm there every day. Um, to not being able to do the type of outreach that we do. Um, we work with a lot of young teenagers and young adults. And because of COVID, our means, which is music, is gone. So it's a really big change for me, especially because I don't have the time to be the social media queen. Mm -hmm. As where I could talk to 
400 people in, you know, in an evening at a concert, I don't have time to talk to 400 people on the internet. So it's, it's just very different. I have to really be more honed in and, and, um, watching who may be struggling or who may need some advice, um, to get that, to make sure that no one's, you know, slipping through the cracks. That's a, but that's with a good FaceTime point. and internet, uh, Instagram live, we were being able to communicate with a lot of our family, our children and spend time checking up on them. Hey, how you doing? Visual, uh, our friends all over the country that we, we missed that we normally see through music, we will do FaceTime with. And it's been so important to spend that three, five, 10 minutes with someone face to face, even though we couldn't, you know, in person, but the, still the communication has been there. Uh, and it's always been good to spend time to talk about matters and your health and whatnot, especially the mental health. With everybody. So, I mean, it's great. You're able to find at least some way to, to do that where, like you said, you didn't have that person to person connection that you had going to shows, yeah. but now you're able to find some alternative Avenue to, to be Just able no to, to keep that up. Yeah. Just no hugs. It's kind of strange because I don't know. It's just kind of, I really miss personal in, interaction with people. I'll second that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big hugger. So <laughs> it's really difficult. Uh, Tita and, and uh, Jimmy, did you guys have any comments there? Um, absolutely. I, I was going to say 2020, um, it started off, you know, as just kind of a unique experience. And um, I enjoyed the time at home for a while. Um, snuggling with we have five dogs and a little farm here we've got a couple of goats and horses and um so I was enjoying the uh, the few weeks at home until it kind of turned into a month-to-month um mm -hmm. pandemic and um you know we personally know some people who've been affected and uh, and even passed away from the virus um sorry yeah. to hear that um, we also, um, have a foundation in our daughter's name and, and we usually do an annual, um, 5k, um, which brings in anywhere between five and 800 people. And we had to go ahead and do that, um, virtually this year, um, which was a very different experience, very unique, but, um, but a very cool way yet to bring together, um, a large group of people in the name of, of mental health awareness and suicide prevention, um, What's the name of the foundation? Um, our foundation's name is the Issa Kranz Foundation. Issa was our daughter. Um, Issa was short for Isabella. And um, so she passed away seven and a half years ago. She was 15 years old. So um, our, our logo is, uh, is a unicorn with a rainbow. And it was just a doodle we found in one of her, uh, her high school notebooks. And... Um, <laughs> It's, it's kind of a, a funny story to um, see people walking around our, our community with unicorn T-shirts everywhere. And <laughs> it's really amazing the support we get from um, our community here. We live in a small town in northern Illinois. Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty fun to walk around and see the unicorn T-shirts everywhere. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's been really different. I, I'm amazed at you know how this pandemic really has touched you know everything. Like Mary was saying, from work to personal lives to um, you know community events. Um, Jimmy and I both um, work outside the house. Uh, Jimmy hasn't missed a day um, from work. We were closed. I work at a therapeutic um, therapeutic horseback riding farm. No. 
It's called Mainstay Therapeutic Farm. And um, we do different programming with people with disabilities and, and also, also mental health issues. Um, and we were closed down for several months, um, but we are, we're back up and running in a, in a limited uh, capacity right now. You want to add anything? Um, well, and a couple of other things that we do, uh, we're involved as uh, facilitators uh, for uh, support groups that to help people who've lost loved ones to suicide. So we do we do a group together where we facilitate together for a co-ed group, and then uh, and then I facilitate a, a men's group. Um, and uh, whereas the uh, the organization that, that runs the, the co-ed group that we do on a monthly basis, uh, we haven't been able to meet since, since March. And, uh, so we, they do it virtually, which is a little different, you know, when you're used to, um, you know, Mary, you talk about, you know, loving the hugs, um, you know, we're used to being able to sit together in a group, you know, in, in a, in a room and, and, you know, we'll have, you know, 10, uh, 10, 12 people together in, in a group, you know, every month. And now you're doing it online and we still get probably, uh, eight, you know, eight or so people that are coming online. Um, but it's just different, you know, it's different to be able Definitely. to it that way. But my men's group, um, we, we meet rather than every month, we meet every other month. And, um, we didn't do a, a group in March, but then we did do one in June and then we did another one, uh, in, uh, uh, no, I guess, I guess that's off. Cause we've, we've had three groups and, and we've met, um, uh, in person because the, the facility that we, uh, we meet at, uh, has allowed us to get back together since July. And, uh, and that's been, uh, it's interesting to do the, the one group that we do online, and then the, the men's group, we, we do it together. And, uh, you know, we just, we spread the chairs out further. Everybody wears a mask. Um, you know, we have hand sanitizer and, you know, um, so we're able to do the group and, and it's nice to be able to meet together. So um, it's been interesting having, uh, you know, having it both ways in the sense that, you know, where we're doing stuff online, but then also being able to, we just try to be really smart and, and uh, you know, um, social distance and wear the masks yeah. and, and that's worked also. It's good that you're able to have some sense of normalcy and, and regularity there. So, yeah. uh, especially of, of support things, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Totally. For, for support, that's where you can, you can definitely see the juxtaposition between remote support and in-person support and how the, it can impact you, you differently. So that's what a uh, perfect timing there, Trevor, because I was going to throw to you next based off of uh, your, your co-pilot's age there that the, the timing of 2020 has been really interesting uh, to, to bring Griff into the world and the timing of when COVID started to hit North America, when all the shutdowns started happening and then just kind of the arrival there. So you and your wife were, were due for a change to begin with. Uh, and then kind of 2020 kept throwing curveballs. So how is it that, what was that experience like first? And then how did you guys adapt to that? Um, thanks for asking. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's awesome to hear all about you guys. Yeah, this is Griffin. Uh, so 2020, not so bad. <laughs> like, I mean, not all bad, I should say. Terrible, not all bad. Uh, you know, the... Um, 
it when it when the, the lockdown first hit in Chicago, uh, I own a brewery. I'm part owner of a brewery, and um, that was shocking, obviously. And and me and my wife, you know, when we'd look at other families that would come into the pub, we'd always look at them and be like, hey, look, you know, they got a little baby and they're going out and they're having fun and they're doing their thing, you know, like we can do that too when we have a baby. Um, and we were really looking forward to like sharing this moment with our family, our friends, and my colleagues and everything like that. And then obviously once COVID hit, um, we kind of switched our model at the brewery to where we were only doing pickups. So there was no one inside at all. And so I had kind of moved to nights and I was, you know, running uh, food out to people's cars. So Amanda pregnant is staying home uh, until that later time at night where usually I'm home about like six o'clock. So that was challenging on a relationship because generally she'd go to bed pretty early. I'd pretty much come in say, Hey, and then we were kind of like ships passing in the night for a Mm -hmm. while there, but you know, super understanding and we still made like cut out time for ourselves um on on my days off which were you know get like two days off a week but during that time i got sick um and when i thought it was maybe just a simple cold or something like that because it didn't seem that aggressive uh, i still quarantined in a bedroom away from her uh during that time and so you know she'd bring like food to the door and stuff and then at night i'd like bustle into the kitchen, sanitizing every single knob on the way to, to cook, to take care of my dishes and, and clean up. And then I kind of just sat in a bed for a week and a half, uh, in total time. But after a week, I felt like I had already had something for like a week. And then the week following is when it started getting like a lot worse. And that's when I went into quarantine we didn't know a lot about the virus at the time, like masks weren't a thing. Um, the only thing we knew is like, don't touch your face wash your hands and stay away from people as much as you can I keep six feet apart. And I was like very diligent about that. And I still ended up getting sick. And then what was really shocking was when I lost the complete sense of taste and smell. And, you know, I make beer for a living and uh, that was scary as hell. But um, one night, uh, you know, about three weeks later, Amanda was making dinner. I could start like smelling again and tasting again, but my smell still isn't quite right. Like dairy and cheeses and things like that kind of, uh, taste rotten. Um, I can't smell certain smells, some smells, uh, you don't want to smell, uh, and I don't have to smell those, which is kind of nice. Uh, so I'm kind of uh, blessed with that gift. Um, and then as you know, the, uh, pandemic is carried on. I think we've had to get like really creative as new parents in terms of, you know, first there was the baby shower. How do we, you know, have a baby shower during a pandemic? It was literally like eight scared friends in our apartment standing very far apart. I made food for everybody. It was originally supposed to be at the brewery in this back room, like right after uh, lockdown happened. And that was really hard for my wife. She was really sad. And I just tried to make it as special as possible for her and invite like the core group of friends. And, and then you get into like summertime like how are we going to go out and have fun so we started taking like walks in the local parks because we live in an apartment so we don't have like a backyard we have like a barely a back porch um but there's a there's a big old park nearby and we'd go out there and we'd grab some like white claws or beers and like you know some snacks and we'd put him in like his stroller and then maybe like set up a little play area for him and bring our dog and we'd just kind of sit out there and look at nature and people watch and so we were able to do that and then uh, more recently, we uh, found some cabins in Michigan. We we're able to get away from, get away to, and you know, you're pretty separated from people there. You can go out and you know, grab some local beer, some sausages, and cook out. So we've just had to get a little more creative this year, but we still find ourselves, you know, missing our friends because we've really limited that amount of time and, and touch. And and it's um, so it's a it's a major bummer. My parents didn't get to meet him until you know he was already 
uh, aged along pretty well because I was so scared of, you know, we're in the danger Absolutely. zone here in Chicago and my mm. folks live in the middle of nowhere in Ypsilanti, Michigan, out in the middle of the country. And I'm like, and they really want to meet the baby. I'm like, you have to understand I'm a danger to you, not the other way around, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so, yeah, it's just been, it's been bizarre, but you know, we're, we're trying our best. Yeah. So my Amanda and your Amanda can definitely commiserate over some unfortunate events that are out of your control, kind of wrecking some of the the big moments uh, for, you know, showers and then some other things uh, related to that. So, um, but glad to hear you're, you're on the mend and bouncing back. So we'll, we'll go to, to Frank now and the, there's a little bit of a kind of transition from some of the the music before and, and what Mary was talking about where uh, Frank, you and, and your wife are big cruise goers and, and concert goers too. Correct. Um, so that's something that you definitely don't have the ability to do now. And then uh, also jump into how 2020 has affected, uh, you know, the, the parenting there with dropping your, your son off at college. Yeah. So uh, the music is definitely a, uh, a big hit on our, on our, time we would probably go to a concert a week if not more mm-hmm. um you know we do the festivals like three to four festivals a year um so the, the good thing is is for 2020 we got to go to one festival in Putacana for our anniversary which was in february before everything locked down so we got crazy lucky um but just like uh trevor i definitely got sick um february just before we went on the trip and i was sick for about a month afterwards um, my wife thinks it was COVID, um, but who knows? But I was actually in Guam in January and flew through Japan in January to come back before anybody even knew anything, right? Like, I mean, at least I didn't know. Um, so it was like all risky in that whole area. And uh, next thing I know, it's like, well, if you came from Japan in the last month, you didn't see the camera. You know, it could be pretty, it could be bad. So, um, to needless to say, same as Trevor, uh, you know, I was locked down. My wife locked me down. Um, stayed away from my niece and nephew and my mother-in-law who lived right around us, and uh, you know, had a little bit of a rough time. And uh, the same thing with the. Tim. Sorry, did uh, did I lose you guys? You got muted there for a second. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I'm from New Jersey. I'm a big hugger. So, uh, you know, not seeing my niece and nephew and my, uh, <laughs> you know, and my mother-in-law and things like that, you know, we, we, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was painful. And then, um, <clears throat> for my son at 20 years old, he was looking at it like it was the end of the world because he's 20 years old. He's ready to have a great summer. He's about to move to Texas and do all these great things and have all these great plans. And then all of a sudden now you can't do it. So that uh, that brought some tension into the house because, you know, at 20 years old, you don't know that there's still a lot ahead of you, like get through it and, you know, move on and so, sort of like that. So uh, that brought some tension into the house to where, he you know, he was like, you know, my summer's messed up and, you know, how am I going to do school next year and, and all those stresses. <clears throat> we, we finally got through it, got him to Texas, got him into school. Um, he's understanding a bit more and, uh, you know, my brother helps out a lot too, to, uh, to kind of put him in, in a, in a better place because he's living with my brother right now since they're doing school remotely. So he's in San Antonio, still meeting people, but remotely doing school, uh, at my brother's place in San Antonio. So, and, uh, you know, my brother's in the air force, he's a pilot. So he's, you know, good role model, loves Dre and, uh, you know, he's kicking ass down there. So. He's good to hear. So old. he now at twenty years old. It's like it's not a baby. It's not like a grandchild or something where you you're being extra careful for him. It's like don't get arrested. 
<laughs> you know, like, a, yeah, you know, a certain like, level of... It's, uh, it's a different mindset. It's like, all right, what do you need from me anymore? Like, uh, you know, I love you. You're still my son, but, you know, you got to fix it yourself now. So it's, it's a little bit of a less stress on me, I guess. If I had, if I had a, uh, a son or somebody that was in elementary school or uh, high school or anything, I'd be freaking out right now. I wouldn't know what to do. But, uh, you know, luckily, I got a sort of like an adult out there handling themselves. So it was a little bit easier. But I mean, I'll tell you one thing though, the 2020, uh, me and my wife both working from home. We didn't miss a beat. I also go in, just like Mary said, uh, we, I've been going into work every day, um, doing what I have to do, traveling a lot less. I'm usually a big traveler, but, um, you know, staying safe, doing what we got to do. And I'd actually have to say, which is surprising that, uh, both of us working from home probably got us a little bit closer, you know? So it didn't, it didn't put a wedge in there too much to where, you know, when I was back in the Navy, she couldn't wait for me to go on my next trip. <laughs> to get out. <laughs> so, uh, but now it's, you know, now we're a little older and uh, it was actually, it was, it's, it's kind of been nice, like, you know, working from home type of thing and, and uh, doing what we got to do with each other. Excellent. Great. Um, so kind of touching or contrasting that is like you were saying, your son's a little bit older, so you don't really have to worry about it, but I want to circle back for something a little bit that Trevor touched on, but then Mary, you had mentioned in some of the, the pre-roll as well, as far as having grandkids, how have you handled that between interacting with your kids, interacting with your grandkids, um, and then just precautions or have you been able to, or have you needed to to kind of just forego that or um, as kind of Trevor said with his, with his parents kind of being the threat to them as opposed to the other way around. Um, how, how have you all handled that? Spending time with the grandkids has been um, unique. Um, our six-year-old grandson has a problem that as soon as he gets sick, it settles in his lungs, some kind of croup. He's in the emergency room. So we're all being really cautious and his dad is a first responder. So um, for a while, no one could come into their house. It was a contract that he had with his employer that, um, you know, they were on seven days, off seven days. Just recently, probably May, uh, we were able to start spending some time with the kids, but it's outside. Um, we're outside and we have to be really distant. This past weekend, they were over um, for my birthday. That was really fun. We had a lot of fun. We did, you know, walks. But most of the time we're spending with them is outside because um, you know, it's it's less of a risk if you're outside. And honestly, seeing my grandkids is probably more important to me mentally than it is anything. I really miss those little buggers, you know. Um, being a grandma is really special, um, and it's, it's really hard to miss. Uh, we had a son come home from Colombia because the pandemic is a lockdown in Colombia, South America. So he suddenly appeared on our doorstep for two and a half months. Um, and he took the first humanitarian flight back into Columbia, his, the, where he's employed, was like, all right, time to come home. Um, they're starting to open up things, but uh, the pandemic there is much different than the pandemic here, and their needs are much different. And uh, my son came home a little stressed, um, and uh, he left a little bit less stressed. But he was teaching, teaching here, and all the students were Zooming. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so it's it's different. Um, but yeah, the grandkids and the younger ones don't understand why they can't come over to Mimi and Papa's. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't understand why Papa can't come in the house and play or Mimi can't come in the house and do stuff. You know, they they understand they have to wear a mask. Uh, we tried to make it as fun as possible by, you know, <laughs> having really fun masks made yeah. for them. 
Um, but it's just different. And that connection is really important. Like I said, it's really important for us. Um, our children are grown. So this is the fun time. You know, grandma and grandpa, Mimi and Papa get to sugar everybody up and send them on their way. And we don't get to see them nearly as much as we used to. But with the beauty of the Internet and Snapchat oh, yeah. and filters <laughs> and Instagram, and it's so neat to be able to communicate with grandchildren yeah. that way. I mean, yes, I couldn't go visit them because they were out of state or they were far away or we couldn't see them because of the restrictions, because of their parents who were working. But we were still able to communicate, at least see them and yeah. show them the weird faces that Papa made and show them the weird little filters that I do with the hair on my face. I was like, yep. who is that? And still give them me. And, and Mary. Right. So they could see us that we're still here. We're still having fun. We still want to be able to interact with them. And to do that with the beauty of the internet, it's been a wonderful thing. And it brings us here tonight, too. So it's, it's just been about, you know, doing the work and, and seeing what you can do to, to work around it, even though it may not be exactly the same. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you have to spend time. You, it's, it, it's an important thing, um, not just with grandchildren, just with everyone and our friends and um, so it's just, it's a different time, but you figure it out and um, we're all going to come out better. Um, and we've all learned to use social media a little bit more than we did before, at least in this house. So, um, and my, and our 15 year old knows that if times are getting tough, the one person or the two people he calls is us. So we saw him this weekend. We had to give him like a condensed prep talk about sophomore year. <laughs> get your grades done or no driver's ed get your grades done or you can't and there's no excuse why you're not doing well in school there are no pretty girls except your mom at home to look at you know so but it was very condensed um almost to the point that it was like rushed um but you got to get your message caught across and so, a little I mean, bit up with them this week we have almost a, a perfect foil to the situation we had last week with the guests where most of the guests last week were more in the the range of general school age kids or even maybe a little bit younger. Um, whereas we kind of have both ends of the spectrum with older kids, younger grandkids, and then, uh, younger, uh, Griff as well. So I, I don't imagine Griff is talking back too much, at least in terms of the pandemic at the moment. Um, but, uh, Tina, you guys can, can kind of jump in here first and then, you know, Frank it Frank touch on it a little bit and then Mary follow up. But how has that been kind of navigating the pandemic and the conversation with them when they're able to process information on their own, they're able to look up sources on their own, they're able to either, you know, watch the news or, or avoid the news on their own. And how has that been for kind of that interaction and, and relationship with your older children? Um, yeah, you know, we're kind of, I say it all the time. We're really lucky uh, to have Henry, um, you know, his, losing his sister at the age of, he was 13 when she was 15. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of put him on a different trajectory as far as, uh, you know, growing up, um, than, than, you know, some of his friends. Um, and he, he's, he's a pretty, uh, pretty responsible kid. Um, he, you know, he's still a kid. He, he enjoys having fun and whatnot, but, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say we, we didn't have to, uh, use any of the, uh, the bail money that we had <laughs> saved away, you know, for him, he, he didn't get into much trouble, but, uh, there, you know, there's still time. He's yeah. only 21. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should still use it. 
but uh but for the most part i would say he's he polices himself um probably uh, better than anybody that i that i know adult or or kid um because he wants to be able to be around us he wants to be able to be healthy um you know he uh he makes sure that he follows the rules and social distances and and just stays away from people and um wears a mask and you know he uh he really appreciates being able to be with his his girlfriend and and be able to be with us and uh he uh he he wants to make sure that he doesn't jeopardize anybody so so he's pretty responsible about that which is um interesting to see because we see what his friends do and uh wow some of his friends are you know we we live here on the wisconsin illinois border and uh as soon as Wisconsin opened up, holy cow, all his buddies were up there. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed that uh, we didn't have more reports of, of people being sick. So, uh, and, and no judgment. I, I have to say, I, I would probably have been one of those kids that rushed up to Wisconsin if I was that age. Um, <laughs> we, we love, you know, we love all these kids. We just want everybody to be safe. Um, but just um, an aside, Henry is in college down at University of North Carolina in Wilmington. Um, okay. So he does have that um, that distance factor that, you know, it's a, to drive home, it's a 17 hours, you know, or it's a, you know, a, a layover with a flight. Um, I think we've only seen him for, what, four weeks? Yeah, he came four, home for a few four weeks, weeks since summer. March. Yeah, but he does have one class right now that's in person. Um, otherwise, out of five classes, you know, four online. Um, so yeah, it it is it's a different thing because yeah, we we trust him. We want him. You know, we know that he's going to do everything he can to be safe. But um, you know, it it's it's a mysterious virus. We don't know everything there is to know yet, and. Um, you know, there is that fear factor of it just takes one person and mm-hmm. you know, it can, it can, uh, go through a crowd pretty fast. So, Very true. yeah, Very true. absolutely. Mary or Frank, any, any additional comments there for, for the older kids? Well, um, go ahead, Mary. our son who is 31 is a firefighter paramedic. So he sees a lot of different things and, and because of the pandemic, you know, we don't see him as often. And when we do, it's kind of at a distance. Um, you know, he's, he's out in the field and he's exposed to a lot of people. When our son was home, uh, this summer, he rode his bicycle to Minneapolis. And when he came back, I was like, buddy, you got to spend 14 days in that room. I don't know what you're exposed mm-hmm. to. Um, so it was different, you know, all of a sudden he'd see me and up would go the mask and we have children that work in retail. That was really strange. Um, you know, they're fighting with people to put on masks to stay safe. Um, and it, of course it's our youngest child who's the smallest out of everybody. And she's got to go up to people and say, no, you need to put your mask on. You have to wear it all the time. So, um, different sides of our children's personalities are coming out because of this. Um, some are taking more charge, some are being more compassionate, some are being more careful. A lot of empathy has come out between our children. Um, so in a way, uh, they've learned how to handle different life situations at a younger age than they may never have had to handle before. So it's another little thing that they could put inside of their, you know, their grown up person toolbox so, yeah you the toolkit and, and, and Mary, maybe, uh, 
you know, I'm sorry that that what you're saying rings so true in the sense that they have to live it. Like it's they're, they're, they're adults, right? They're learning. We've taught them for all these years. We taught them all the rights and wrongs, but now like they're being forced to live that, um, you know, they got to make, you know, make their way themselves and, and to be able to watch them do that. It's, it's, it's kind of, fun it's kind of exciting and terrifying in the same way right very rewarding that they're at least in our household that the children are growing up it's very rewarding to see that they're not so about oh my god my life is over i gotta wear this mask Uh, more of them are about hey we can get through this together if we follow the rules and i'm here for you and you're here for me and you know it's not going to be something that's here forever. And yes, they were inconvenienced. Some of us had to stay home because someone in the office or someone, you know, had COVID or stores closed in the beginning. I was unemployed for a very large part of the beginning of the pandemic. So I had unemployment and then I was watching those numbers rise mm-hmm. every day. I talk about a mind mess. Wow. And then, you know, you're worried about your kids and they're like, oh, don't worry about me. I got it all under control. It was very strange. <laughs> and actually, nobody's hiring. And and um, actually, sometimes my children took better care of us mentally, you know, about, hey, don't worry about it. You're going to find a job or, hey, you're doing a great job. They were our cheerleaders as opposed to us being their cheerleaders for a while. And they were all very worried about us. Um, we have pre-existing conditions that could be deadly. I mean, I'm a cancer survivor. So for a while, Doug took my keys away and wouldn't let me out of the house. Besides, I needed to find a job. I just want to see people. I did. I just wanted to see people. I found myself, you know, later on when people started wearing masks and retail started opening, I would find myself pushing a grocery cart in the store and stopping just to hear people. Because none of our children live with us. So it's just the two of us. And day after day after day of all day long, silence really kind of gets to you. Mm-hmm. So um, um, it was great to see our kids champion it and rise to the occasion and take care of us. That's you know, good to hear. Us. You guys need anything? Should we get your groceries? Um, things like that. It, it's nice. It's nice to see that our hard work as a parent is paying off. Exactly. And Frank, did you have anything to add there? Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, uh, Tina, I'm sorry, I don't know your husband's name. Doug, Doug, yeah, yeah. So something that Doug said is, uh, you know, when you when you watch your your kid go through, I, I don't know, something like this, or to see how he handles it on his own, it is exciting, right? Because you know, you can only teach him so much, and until something really smacks him in the face, uh, you don't really you don't really get to understand on how he's really. What, what did he take any advice that you ever gave him, like true advice? And you know, all of us growing up, I'm 45, so you know, I have had, I've had a few of those little. I don't know what you want to call it, maybe roadblocks or something that happened worldwide that you just have to you have to sort of deal with in your life. And it's good to see that, not to say that the COVID is a good thing, but it's a something, it's, you know, it's a, a tragic thing that comes into, uh, you know, your lives every once in a while. And you see how you, you, your, your son or your daughter, uh, you know, handle it in real world. You know, it's kind of nice. It's like a growing pain in a way. Yeah, Frank, that, it's an interesting point you make about, you know, you teach them all this stuff and you, and you wonder if they were listening. I can't tell you how many times Tina would hear me, you know, sit the kids down and I'm, I'm teaching them a life lesson. And she's like, you know, they, they listen for about three minutes and then the rest of the half an hour that you keep going on and on and on, 
they don't listen to that. I'm like, no, no, they'll, they'll remember it when they're older. And I think he actually has remembered some of it, but I think I probably wasted a lot of, uh, a lot of minutes. Same here. My, my son's actually told me, he's like, okay, I've heard it already 10 times. Thanks. So what I'm getting for is with some parenting advice here, it's less of a story or a novel and more like a newspaper article. Don't bury the lead, just get to it. And and that's the the best part. Kind of like blast them with the points. And once they get that glazed over look, you're done. So yeah, I'm I'm taking notes and I think Trevor is too. So (laughs) yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm over here taking notes for sure. Yeah. So we'll, transition to the next question it'll be a two-parter and you guys are kind of leading me right down the journey that i wanted to go with some of these questions anyway so that works out well um but you touched on with the the collective conversation there a little bit but what have you all done to proactively manage your mental health throughout the the pandemic um hope for the day is known for its proactive prevention program and managing mental health and, and the crises associated with it before it gets too bad or, or to the point of penultimate crisis. Um, so there's a, a lot of work that's been done to, to do proactive talk and proactive physical work to, to kind of bring down some of those stressors. And uh, the, the metaphor that hope for the day uses being what's uh, shaking your bottle. Um, so what, what were you all doing collectively to kind of valve out some of that pressure since the beginning of, of this back in, you know, February, March, and even Frank, when you were traveling back in the January timeframe, um, what, what as a group have, have everyone been doing to, to manage some of that for yourselves and then your kids and your grandkids? We ate a lot of food. Mary turned into a great baker. Um, <laughs> we bought a smoker. I put on at least 30 pounds. <laughs> I had to go up on my waist size. But for the most part, uh, yeah, the eating part was good. That took our minds off it. And then we do some walking here and there outside. Even though it was a little cold, but we would still do something active. Yeah. When we came back from L.A., we had gone out to L.A. twice in 10 days in January, once for the Grammys and then once for something else. Um, that was like the extent of our fun. So we just relive. It's it's wonderful. I mean, every show we've gone to over the past couple of years, we've taken a picture and we have our computer while well, when it's working, rolling. So sometimes we talk about, you know, what a great time we had. Uh, why Doug was at work, I did a lot of dance party, turn on some music and dance while I was trying to find a job, anything to do that. And uh, believe it or not, because of the type of work we do with kids and checking in on them and making sure everybody's okay, it, I don't know, it kind of gives me a purpose. Um, I always say that I do it and I talk about suicide so strongly and I talk to the, to the demographic that we chose so that another parent doesn't get that horrible phone call. And knowing that I'm doing something positive to people that I really care about that have become part of my life in the last six years, um, really helps. Um, I started writing a little bit, um, or journaling. Of course I was looking for a job that was kind of scary and, um, and now working. So working takes up a bunch of it, but I don't know. Um, we try to see friends, but really and truly it's just kind of reliving the happy moments. Um, and a little bit of exercise that, you know, that endorphins really helps. Walk yep. off that brisket I made. Uh, <laughs> and 
and we were able to gift people all over the country oh, yeah. that we miss. And we would send them little things, Mary's baked goods, stuff that I manufacture at my work, put little care packages together. Yeah. It's always nice to get something in the mail, and especially when it's unannounced. So it was always good to brighten someone's day. Yeah, we did a lot of that. Probably sent out, what, about 50 or 60 packages. Yeah. We're keep- from all over the world, all over the United States, all over the world. I think we sent some to London as well. Yeah. So um, in Germany, you know, you got to share. You got to make people smile and their smile makes me smile. So nice. Head forward. Mm. Tina and Jimmy, anything down there? Um, yeah, I would say um, I myself, um, I struggle with anxiety and depression, um, although I wasn't diagnosed until uh, much later in my life as an adult. Um I, I definitely have had it all my life. Um, so, um, yeah, I've, I've been, you know, one to take care of my mental health and, uh, and really kind of stay up on things, especially since losing my daughter, that's kind of, um, really amplified my, uh, you know, my, my symptoms. But, um, so I, I'm really vigilant about Jimmy jokes about my napping. Um, but I am vigilant about making sure I get enough sleep. Um, I am a better person when I can nap during the day. Um, so those kind of things, you know, uh, I'm a sugar fanatic, so I try to, you know, manage my diet, um, you know, try to get sunshine. That's a big thing for me too. Um, you know, getting fresh air, which not a hard thing to do when you live on a small farm. Um, but it, I think what, you know, one of the biggest things, um, is connection, just making sure that, uh, we maintain a connection. Like I said, Jimmy hasn't missed a day of work. He's, you know, he's been working through this whole thing. Um, so that, uh, that's a big part of trying to make sure that, you know, he and I stay connected because we, you know, we are virtually empty nesters as well. Um, Henry has spent most of his time down in North Carolina, um, so making sure we're connected, making sure that we're connected to um, our parents, to, you know, nieces and nephews, um, even, you know, our son's friends, um, mm-hmm. we'd like to kind of reach out and, um, you know, even if it's a quick text or a funny picture, um, I use social media a lot too, just to post um, really uh, either inspirational when I can think of it or um, hilarious uh, pictures, videos, um, saying stuff like that. Um, my animals keep me pretty entertained. So I've chosen to share those on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been loving, you know, watching my, my goats headbutt each other or my horses mm-hmm. running around the pasture. Um, and it, it, that also gives me a sense of connection as well is that, you know, I'm connecting with people, making them like Mary said, making them smile, you know, brightening people's day a little bit. And, um, you know, the fact that, uh, we do whatever we can. Um, it's very limited this year, but through our foundation, we do whatever we can to help people in need um, and animals as well, because our daughter was such an animal lover. Um, so yeah, that that piece, that um, that helping piece, uh, has been so healing for us in general, and um, we we try to make sure that we honor that um, together because we know, uh, that's, you know, it's so important for our own healing and, you know, to help somebody else while you're hurting is, uh, yeah, it's unbelievable how beneficial that can be. And you would never have thought that when the worst day of your life happened. Never. Um, Last January or last December, 21 pilots came to the Aragon and we follow that band big time. And, um, I talked to 600 people in one day about mental health, but 
the the whole idea of this story is one of the girls that we've met through our mentoring helped. She took the hope for the day cards, the 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 their uh, resource cards. cards, and she walked ahead of me, and she handed out bracelets because Mike um, gave us bracelets and whatever. And she had just recently lost somebody and uh, she talked to people and she came back afterwards when everybody was starting, the line was starting to move and she came over and she gave me this huge hug. And I went, Oh, sweetheart, what's that for? You know, thank you. I love the hug. And she goes, you know what? I never understood why you do this, why you tell people about the worst day of your life. She goes, but you know what? I can go into that show and it's like, talking to all those people took all that weight off my shoulders and I can enjoy this night with everyone else. And that's exactly what I do. It's, it's very strange that people don't understand it, but by telling your story and speaking the truth to people who understand it because they're living in that moment as well, kind of makes you feel lighter and it makes the person you're speaking to know that they have an ally who understands them. And wow, that is huge for me. That is so big for me. Um, and I never thought I would get to that point, but I, we speak to thousands and thousands of young kids a year about staying alive and being kinder. Cause that was my son's last words in this world was to be kinder and nicer to one another. And we do it all the time. And, and it really helps. It does heal. It heals so, so very much. And most people don't realize that until they have to walk in those shoes. I'm very glad to hear the, the power that you have for telling your story is so positive for you and it, it does help everyone else because for me, that is the exact reason why I started my podcast to, to help others share that story so that they can do that. albeit virtually. And it, it's a, you know, a one to many scenario. So you don't look at each other in the eye when you're having a conversation that you may get at shows or when you're, you're talking to people uh, physically, but just to, to do that and to, to be able to share your story and empower yourself uh, to, to help others and then to kind of help lighten that load. So it doesn't feel like you're constantly carrying that on your own. And one of the best things is some of the kids that we've met when they see me or when they see Doug, they run and they have to tell us about how much better they're doing in life. I took your advice and I'm seeing a therapist or I took your advice and I, I came out to my parents or I took your advice and I'm feeling so much better about it. And they run to us like children with a, an A on a paper. And it's like, oh, I really am making a difference in the world one person at a time. And people don't get that. And, and even in COVID, you have to try to make a difference. And again, social media is a great way to do that. Yeah, and a lot of kids tend to open up to us because we're like the parental figure. We're the fun them. parents. But they're yeah. not going to tell their own parents that, that their own little sexual identity problems are, are whatever they have going on in their heads, they're not going to open up to them. So we found a lot of kids opening up to us in a lot of different ways. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to have a purpose. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Frank and Trevor, anything as far as managing your, your valves and, and what's shaking your bottle through all this? Totally. Uh, so yeah, actually, uh, to their point, like doing something that helps people is always huge. Um, the two days ago was the four year anniversary of my brewery. Uh, obviously it was a little bit different this year, uh, having 
the Oktoberfest party, not really a party, you know, it's all weekend long. We did food specials and I went in there and, you know, it's pretty empty and you're just kind of around the people that you're around at the table and it's fine, but it didn't have the same vibe as it did before. So I was kind of sad. And then right after our anniversary day, which is the 22nd is Hamaro Cantu's birthday. And for those of you who don't know, Hamaro Cantu is my business partner uh, who I was supposed to open my brewery with that completed a suicide in that space. Uh, so, you know, today I'm kind of like between, you know, you have to manage your staff. Um, my staff is always scared. You know, they're, they're living in a world where they're doing more policing than they're doing actually serving. And mm -hmm. the reason that we're attracted to, um, this industry and what we do is because we're kind of natural empaths and we get a lot of energy from other people and we really enjoy our, our service to other people. And now it's like, man, it just takes like one or two people to really knock you off. And so we found that, you know, a lot of our staff members who used to be able to work like 40 hours a week or even more, uh, man, they, they're burning out at like 30. So we've yeah. had to like really kind of uh, change the way we do things. And of course, you know, as a leader and, I think with these cats not being able to speak their truth to a larger power and feeling powerless under whether it's, you know, what's going on um, uh, with, you know, this big civil rights shift that we are, we're, we're undergoing right now, or whether it's um, feeling uh, like they don't have any power because they feel like uh, this election is just going to be a complete shit show. Most of these kids don't even like any, either of these candidates anyway. Uh, so they're already, you know, taking a hit for that. So their world is just kind of going to shit and then I got to keep them together. And then, so, you know, I kind of come home with like this, this brick on my shoulder to, mm -hmm. to Griffin and Amanda. And I was actually sitting there tonight and I was, I was on the couch and I was, I felt like a lump. I was tired. And I was like, I told her, I was like, I'm supposed to do this hope for the day thing. I, I don't think I got it in me. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, and that's all it took. I was like, no, I, this is, this always makes me feel better. <laughs> like a hundred percent of the time always makes me feel better to, to be able to talk about these things so candidly. So yeah, I would say a big bell for me are, are these, are these types of things. Um, bike riding, like the, you guys were saying, going like I got a little trail. I found a trail that I go to. It's my trail. <laughs> I call it my trail. I go out nice. seven miles out of my bike, seven miles back as much as I can. I haven't been able to hit it this week, but, um, and then uh, a big thing that I think is really important is, you know, like really wrapping myself up in my family. This kid is like a little walking, uh, not even really crawling, a wiggling antidepressant. He's a wiggling <laughs> antidepressant. Um, and then of course my wife, who's always so supportive and, and loving and caring this is, you know, second to none. And then, um, finally learning to forgive yourself is the biggest thing because you're going to like try some shit while you're locked down. You know, like I started like an Adobe creative cloud. I've never used that shit and I still haven't figured it out and I'm paying like 20 bucks a month for it. And I've barely done anything with it. Um, you know, and I've got some crafts that need to be done. Um, and you just kind of got to be like, yo, man, you're trying, you know, like, and then now, you know, I'm kind of like uh, preparing, you know, for December and January and February when, you know, I don't have a backyard. I have a little tiny back porch and it gets cold as fuck in Chicago. And I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. And I'm like, yo, snow hikes, uh, you know, like, do I get like, like used workout bike and put it at work for, you know, all of us to use like mm -hmm. employees who are still too afraid to go to the gym. What are some things that we can do with the staff since we're in our own little pod to serve each other instead of having to like, you know, serve people who maybe 
we have to police all the time. Maybe we get together on like a day off and we, and we serve each other cocktails or we, you know, do some kind of creative uh, things uh, to make sure we're still, you know, uh, scratching that itch that we all have for the, for the service community. Um, so it is trying to be as innovative as possible. So, yeah. Awesome. Frank, anything to, to add there? Yeah, I was going to say uh, when Trevor was playing with the baby, I was like, look, he's, he's valving right now. And he was like, open him up, right? So uh, I, I, uh, I, I kind of valve a little bit differently. I grew up uh, maybe in the stigma zone, right? So I didn't know or give appreciation to mental health maybe until uh, I met Mike Minopel. And um, so I, I kind of, you know, I still deal with that stigma part. Maybe it's my military background. Rick, I think when I was on uh, your podcast, I definitely laid into that a little bit uh, mm-hmm. in the past. Um, you know, more talking with Carl, uh, you know, Mike Hope for the day. And uh, of course, you know, my wife, she does something like the uh, 86 to Silence that uh, Trevor's involved with. She does Spark, where it's the Hope for the Day slash canna- uh, medical cannabis industry. Um you know, presentation into dealing with mental health in that, in that industry. So the more and more I become breaking out of my own, uh, stigmatized and, you know, of course I went and got medication for anxiety and things like that. But, um, you know, the battle that you just have to vent on your own or, you know, there's other people out there to help you and organizations and it's not considered weak, um, which was what was drilled into my head for many, many years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, being that now I can at least talk about it and get on these podcasts, I wish I could do more, but it's actually hard for me. Just like Trevor said, it's like, you know, you're sitting there, it's like, do you know, do I really want to talk about this right now? Like, I don't want to. One of the things Mike, Mike's, Mike, sorry for my dogs, but one of the things Mike has said to me before, he's like, the best thing to do is when you feel like you don't want to do something, it's just to go do something you want to do. It doesn't even matter if it's bad for you. Just go do it. It's still going to make you, you know, it's not bad for you, but like, even if it's like, you want to get up and go play a video game for three hours, go do it, you know? Sorry, my dogs are going to park for a minute, but uh, that's, that's what I wanted to get in there before they started going crazy. No, that's, that's a great segue. So uh, thanks for that because it, it kind of brought that, that segment home for me because that's a lot of what I felt too, where I never really dealt with anxiety proper to, to some of this, but literally through the pandemic, um, being the, the one in our household who's going out and doing the food shopping and I work remotely to begin with. And then, uh, my wife, Amanda was unfortunately started her own business, uh, in January. That's a person to person business and she's a postpartum doula and that kind of got shut down with the person to person work. So I was really the only one going out and doing, uh, any kind of interaction at stores. And I could literally feel my anxiety starting to rise and starting to build while I was standing in an aisle, um, with, you know, people not wearing masks or not paying attention and and just being too close and some of that. So like I then started driving to a grocery store instead of the one that's five minutes down the road to one that's 25 minutes up the road, just so that I knew that I could handle that task, but I could do it in a way that I would be able to actually do it successfully. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't leave the store with a level of anxiety that would basically make my, you know, go through the top of my head. Um, So, so those are all things that do that because just on a daily basis, we're kind of running with that fight or flight mode the the entire time, and like all that adrenaline is kicked in, and you ha- it just you can't handle the spikes to kind of spike on top of the spikes, um, and even 
up to a couple of weeks ago, I would leave that grocery store 25 minutes from here in a relatively uh, large footprint of a store uh, in a one of the suburbs of Chicago. But I would leave and I would notice that once I got to the car, I was drenched in sweat. And that was just basically the anxiety of that. And so knowing that like, I need to, to whatever I can do to kind of lessen some of this and valve out while I'm in the store, like I, I need to do that. So if it's like, if it's taking advantage of online shopping, that's one thing. If it's taking advantage of, you know, um, just target deliveries or drive up orders, uh, that's one thing. And one of the things kind of leaning into the way that that's helped us with the household uh, mental health um, has been we kind of we've done most of the grocery ordering and and pickup and you know normal meals Monday to Friday uh, and then Saturday's been our takeout day um, so we we've supported a number of, of local places that uh, have have been open and doing curbside uh, and uh, I mean I'm not worried about this being a shameless plug, but it, it was, it all started with knowing Trevor, uh, and the precautions they were taking there. So, uh, we were definitely going all in on the OIB, uh, takeout express, uh, early on in the pandemic. Uh, and it's, it's in our, our rotation now. Um, and so that's something that knowing that like, okay, what, what, what can we look forward to this week? And it's like, oh, what are we going to do for takeout on Saturday? What are we going to do, um, for some of these other things? And so that, so that's been something where, it's been a balance because it's, it's something we need to do. Um, but it also kind of lessens the load when going and interacting with everyone in public, when knowing that I don't want to be the one that brings something home into my house. And then that's the kind of the downfall when it was because I wasn't paying attention at a store or something like that. Um, and so, so with that, Trevor, I'll put this in the back of your mind. I need like a craft project for like about a dozen growlers because, uh, you you guys aren't taking them back and rightly so, but they're taking up a lot of space. So I need to figure out doing something with those, uh, for the early days of, uh, of what we were doing with, uh, with, uh, the takeout there. Make, uh, make kombucha. Them, I'll take them. What's that, Frank? <laughs> if Trevor refills them, I'll take them off your hands. Oh, yeah, okay. If he refills them, they have no problem staying here. One day we will refill them. Right now is not that day. Excellent. Um, so, I mean, with that, the, the level of anxiety and some of that there is it directly kind of contributes to that fight or flight. And then also, uh, someone mentioned and so it was a perfect segue for the burnout um has anybody felt that burnout just at home just kind of sitting around where it, it doesn't feel like you're doing anything and or like trevor like you said like you feel like you want to do some exploration but then that that basically just contributes to more you know weight on top of your shoulders so it feels like whatever you were doing to to lean into something to feel like you could do some of that valving now feels like a, a pressure later on so has anybody felt that burnout and then kind of noticed that Yeah, definitely. Um, for the time that I was unemployed, I'm not a napper, but boy, I took some really great naps because, you know, you can't, you can't help but to watch the numbers grow. And it was on every channel. There was something scrolling this many people. And I found myself just kind of shutting down, kind of like just, I'd be watching TV and the next minute I'd wake up two and a half hours later. It was like, I was so overwhelmed. And so scared and so helpless that I couldn't go out and do anything. I couldn't help my neighbors. I couldn't see people. I'm unemployed, so there's no money. So that was a big, huge stressor, you know, the unemployment thing. Um, that all of a sudden I would just not do anything. And Doug would come home and go, gee, where's dinner? Yeah, I took a four-hour nap today. 
Again. And, and it was just, and it wasn't until I started working that I realized that it was just my way, my body and my brain and my everything about mm-hmm. just handling it. Um, I found myself, you know, shutting off the TV, just turning on music. And I did so much better. But as soon as that music was off, it was like somebody unplugged me. It was, it was very strange because I'm a go, 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 go kind of person. Exactly. Same for me. And wow. I, I don't know. And I, now I find myself even when I come home because, you know, you're at work, you got a mask on, you got to be afraid. Right now we got to notice that somebody in our office tested positive, oh, but they weren't in the office very often. So now you're worried. And sure enough, I came home and I was like, oh, God, I got to set up and I got to do this. And it's in the back of your head. It's like that nagging little thing. So, yeah, burnout's huge. It's huge. Can't go out and do what you normally do. You can't go to a show three, three or four nights a week. That was like, I don't know. Music's kind of like my antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Live music. And uh, so, yeah, burnout's big, big, big time in this house, at least for me. I would say for me, it came in cycles and it was uh, napping. I mean, I don't mind taking a nap every once in a while, but there there were days where it's like, I am not moving from Mm -hmm. today. It's not. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's probably that was probably my way of dealing with it. Um, Like you said, numbers going up and, you know, not a conversation right now, but even like political climate, it just wears and tears at you. And um, yeah, so. That's the burnout. I think that's where the the whole, you know, COVID dilemma thing, uh, you know, probably got me the worst. It's like some days it's just like, all right, I, I have to give up for today. So I'm just going to not adult and just lay. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the biggest thing that, that uh, you nailed it right on the head there, Frank, that, that in this household is uh, it's uh, looking for days where we don't have to adult has been the, the best way to, to bounce back to some of this. Right. Tina, I saw you reaching for the button there. Did you have something to add in? Yeah, I was going to say, like, my burnout um, has been kind of different in the way that um, I I'm um, kind of get my uh, my energy and my healing from being home and being quiet and, you know, taking that nap when I can. Um, like my burnout, I think, has been. I think trying to go back to, you know, normal mm. and normal. <laughs> um, you know, where I work, we work with, um, a lot of, uh, you know, very, uh, high risk clients and, um, it's, it's a terrifying, um, like I think Frank was saying, um, or no, it, you were saying like that I could be the one to, you know, bring an illness, you know, to these people. Um, you know, I don't necessarily worry about bringing it home. Jimmy and I are both, um, I mean, we don't want to get sick, but, um, you know, knock on wood, we're both fairly, um, healthy people. Um, but yeah, working with, um, the clientele that I do, um, it is, uh, it, it does weigh, it weighs on me. So every time maybe I see someone, um, you know, even outside, you know, visiting with neighbors or going to the grocery store or, you know, or whatnot, um, being somewhere that maybe I was like, Ooh, I wonder if I got a little too close to that person mm-hmm. or, you know, Oh, I wonder, you know, if I could have exposed myself, you know, to, to the virus in this scenario. Um, so kind of knowing that and kind of getting that burnout of this is exhausting. <laughs> um, yeah afraid to see my dad, um, who's, uh, doing really well, but you know, he's 
he's older in age. Um, Jimmy's mom, Jimmy's with his mom every weekend, um, you know, helping take care of her, uh, on the weekends. And, you know, she is, she's older and, and has some health issues. And, um, you know, so I think that that's kind of where my burnout is, is like the, all the worrying of, you know, who could I, who could I infect, you know, and my God, you know, what would be the ramifications, um, of, you know, of getting, you know, my loved ones ill. Um, yeah, and I so, think you'll, you'll find that being the the number one cause for some of that stress is, is the, the worrying that you don't want to be the one to, to do that. And that, that is so physically draining when all it is, is a, and you're not even doing anything. You would just be sitting on the couch, but then it is something where it is so physically draining for that, that emotional response. I find, uh, you know, so we, we've been over whatever, six months, we've been exposed, uh, to people who have been, who, who have been exposed to others. Um, I don't think we've been exposed to anybody directly. Not that we know of. Not that, that we're aware of, but it, it's amazing how even that, um, you know, that exposure to somebody who, you know, who is once removed from somebody who, who is positive. Um, and how for me, man, that just ramps up, you know, my mind just goes a mile a minute because of, you know, everybody that, that I see on a daily basis. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, you know, I hope, I hope I didn't catch anything. And, you know, and you go through the quarantine and you get tested and you find out that, that you haven't, you know, you don't have it. And, and, you know, then, then that, that stress, uh, you know, rescinds, but, uh, it's crazy how I, I don't, necessarily consider myself, you know, somebody who suffers from, uh, you know, anxiety, but I, you know, when, when that happens, it's like, Oh, if this is what my wife, you know, goes through every day, you know, dealing with anxiety, it's like, Holy crap. You know, she's a rock star for, for being able to deal, deal with it because that, that just, that's mind numbing for me to see how, how this pandemic has, has, uh, created, that and I, I can't imagine living with anxiety on a daily basis and then throwing this on top of it. I, I can't even fathom. Yep, totally. And so that's where the learning learning that and, and kind of understanding that and kind of stepping back and realizing that. And Trevor, you made the great point of not feeling like it, but then knowing that that is helpful and kind of diving into that and stepping into it is, is beneficial um, to alleviate some of that that pressure that that is inside you. Totally. Yeah. The burnout is, uh, is freaking real. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, when we first had the baby, you know, I wasn't, I worked the whole time except for the time I was sick. And then when Griffin was born and I was at home for like two weeks and, you know, everyone's sending us food, everyone's on a meal train. So we don't ever have to like do anything for ourselves. Really. There was a couple of days where maybe I got a couple of things done, but a brand new baby, especially him, he was hungry as hell all the time. And when he's hungry, he just screams. So, um, you know, that was kind of frustrating, but the burnout for me happened in a very different way where I was, I mean, I, I was definitely feeling like, the uh, insides on the weekends when I would be home, like we wouldn't, we weren't doing anything and it just felt like we were doing the same movements over and over and over again. Like we were supposed to be doing that. Like the, like you couldn't just go outside on a walk. Like, you know, you could, it's right there. You, you absolutely can. But sometimes I think in a city, especially when you're in an apartment, it feels like being suffocated. Like it, it's not that easy because 
there's so many more risks. I walk out my door and there's like a guy walking, there's like five, 10 people walking by without masks. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, we just recently had a huge brash of violence, violence in uh, Albany park where there was a kid shot and killed a block away. There's bullets flying in our neighborhood literally right now. Like the, the violence is just taking a new, a new peak around here for, you know, probably a myriad of reasons. So all that stuff is very stressful. Um, I'm not one to just like tap out. Uh, I get pissed and I get really angry uh, when I get anxiety and I get, I can feel it burning inside of me and I have to like express that energy physically or else um, I, I will explode. So I've, uh, there's a couple of egg crates and milk crates in the alley behind the brewery that have, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, really, really, really felt my wrath. I mean, I, got up and I just scream my ass off, you know, make sure that, you know, it's at a time when the staff won't hear me and stuff. But when you go from during the day being a leader during a pandemic and having to tell a 45 year old person that you have to care about somebody else to then coming home and being a dad. And, and then, you know, every time I pick up my fucking phone, it's a new terrible thing that just makes me yeah. less believe in humanity. That's I need for you guys. Um, it was music. And for me, it's metal. I love, I'm a huge metal head. So I, I just blast that metal and I just, I got fucking, I got let it out. So yeah, yeah but I, that's my burnout. I just get pissed. Yeah. Same, same for me. I, uh, we, we had talked about this in Frank when we were recording our veterans day episode for anthologies of hope. Um, and just, I, music is, is one of my big reliefs, but metal even more so. So now that, uh, the, I recently got these, these headphones since I'm on the phone all day for work and I don't want to be tethered to something, uh, and they just seem to work so I can bounce for whatever device I need. But the, as long as I can play, heavy metal of some sort on whatever I'm listening to. It's great. Whether, you know, it's old school, new school, anything I have Spotify on every device and it's just usually it's always playing. And so that is what else kind of keeps me, keeps me down and kind of helps to get that, uh, that adrenaline lower and, and kind of keeps the, the, the rage subsided. Like you were saying, Trevor, where, um, we had just, signed up for a gym again. Um, obviously we're not doing too much at the gym after we had Brooklyn, uh, shortly after she was born and everything, but we had just started to sign up for a gym and then they all get shut down. So now it's like, okay, I just got back into the swing of things and I can't really do much. And similar to you, Trevor, we're in a townhouse where there's a little bit more room, but still looking outside, there's plenty of people, things like that. So not knowing where we can go, what we can do. And so that all started to kind of eat away at it. So, I mean, right on the other side of this backdrop, I set up the the yoga mat this morning and did some uh, exercises for the first time and probably since February, just to kind of get going. And it wasn't much and, you know, nothing to write home about, but it was just something to to get some movement going um, because I knew that was going to be kind of the, the start of that boulder um, to, to figure that out out because uh if it wasn't if we didn't do any of that it was nothing was was going to change there so um it, it's great to hear that all of these stories are we're, we're kind of all on the the same page and they're all it's all re- kind of resounding in the, the same manner but uh one topic that, that was kind of touched on a little bit uh trevor and and frank you'd mentioned it a little bit but um and especially this is very interesting with some of the the older uh children uh in here and even with kind of the juxtaposition of the younger grandchildren, but how have you handled conversations this year regarded to systemic racism, social justice, equality, the, as Trevor, as you mentioned, some of the, the, the the new civil rights movement that we're in uh, the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and with some of the folks that are closer to Wisconsin, the shooting of Jacob Blake uh, and things like that. How, how have you managed those conversations in concert with everything that we've talked about so far? Uh, Carefully, depending on the, uh, 
people you're talking to, but um, at, at least for me, it's a, it's a level of stress that's brought into, you know, my household and definitely my surrounding family. So, you know, there's concerns um, as far as, you know, since we're talking about parenting, um, you know, my, my son definitely took a uh, very strong opin opinionated, uh, you know, support for, you know, fighting against systemic racism and things like that. So that, that added to his stress too, because, you know, it's, uh, you know, at 20 years old, um, you still don't know nothing. And, uh, you know, it could, it'll just add to that stress of you just trying to find yourself. So there's a little battle when I, when I kind of tell you that, uh, you know, there was like a battle with my son trying to like, Hey, well, this is going on. This is going on. Do you see this happening? Do you see that happening? He was taking it all in all at the same time. And it was a little too much for someone that might be, uh, you know, a little older, um, and can handle, you know, a swarm of stuff hitting your, hitting your fan. Right. And, um, so yeah, so I, I, I guess that's probably where I see it the most is like, uh, my stress comes from just because my household and my family surrounding are, uh, you know, direct, um, I guess directly in the line of fire if it, if it was to continue. Um, so, you know, we want it to clear and then, um, you know, as far as, you know, making sure, you know, your kids and even if you're young, a little, you know, little babies, even who knows where you're going to be five or 10 years down the road. Um, you know, we might still be having this fight. Um, I'm hoping that we not, but hopefully we, uh, we solve it a lot quicker than it was, uh, you know, remedied in the past. Let's just put it that way. <clears throat> With um, six children, that means six different personalities that we have. And my daughter is married to a police officer, so my dialect with her is so much different than um, my dialect, let's say, with um, our youngest daughter, who is very much an activist for peace. Um, so it's, it's just different. It's um, it's uh, it's very it's very strange. But um, we take the chance to talk about what's going on in our world, and we take the chance to talk about what they can do to to um, help calm things down and make things a little bit easier for everyone, not just someone of color, but that they, they have to stop and, and look as children that came kind of from a privileged life. They had parents that worked and they had a house over the, you know, they had a nice house and the chance for an education. Um, yeah. Systemic racism and the talk about, you know, voting, um, especially with uh, four daughters I constantly remind them that many women had to go through hell so that we have the right to vote. And, um, and if they don't agree with politics, at least look at your local government and change it there because local government has to change systemic racism and having a son who's a firefighter and a paramedic. It, it's just like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. it. He's a kid who grew up in a house that there's no racism and all of a sudden he's kind of a racist and you have to kind of tap him down a little bit and remind him that he's not at work. So even with adult children, it's the learning curve is still there. And with how the world is right now, our learning curve is huge and we have a lot to talk about, but engaging our children and asking them to do what they think is fair is really helping. Mayor, you said you said your son was a, a firefighter, right? My son is a firefighter in um, a suburb outside of Chicago, and yeah. before that, he was a paramedic in a really um, financially depressed area that had a lot of drugs and shooting. And I, 
I hate to say this, but I think it kind of hardened him as to just leave them be. They'll, they'll all kill each other. And that's not how he was raised. So it's it's really a challenge for a mom. Well, I'll kind of kind of just give you some things that uh, especially we talk about in Project Red Team a few times. And uh, I'm sure Rick, Rick and anybody that's ever been in the military, you kind of not to say that you're thinking you're racist when you're in, you know, mm-hmm. because of the things you're saying and the, the language you're using and mm-hmm. maybe uh, the things that you, you do when you're when you're in these weird spots. But you definitely come back with uh, maybe a chip on your shoulder. At least I know I did when I came back. So, um, you know, the the job and I know a lot of uh, cops say that, I you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the job can change you. Oh. But, you know, sooner or later, you have to be able to step outside that box and say, you know, I'm not right. It shouldn't be changing me. I should be, you know, sticking to my guns and, and my own personality. And right. it, it just, it's, it's one of those things, like, uh, I guess you can say a stigma kind of thing where, uh, you know, they feel that, you know, at least I, from my point of view, I feel like I felt like I had to just be in that group, you know, yeah. because that's just the way it was, you know, yeah. and, and that's I hear that in movies now and a lot of, uh, you know, documentaries. Well, that's just the way it is. Right. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be right. So. And the, the other, way it was. Yeah. The yeah, other right. part is. The way it was. Times are changing. People are changing. Yeah. And we have to change with it. Exactly. Um, my children, I'm I'm a very open-minded and, and non-racist person. But unfortunately, my ex-husband is just the opposite. And that's one of the reasons he's my ex-husband. Um, so they hear that that racism when they spend time with their dad. And even though they're adults, it's something that was while they were growing up. And it's a really hard thing for us to take and and change. My son in Columbia is not. And I think it was because he was the closest to my oldest boy who um, who is no longer with us because he completed suicide. But my youngest son spent a lot of time with him. And because of that, he views the world a lot differently. Um, My son uh, lived in Garfield Park for a long time and uh, and, you know, he, he was a six foot four blonde haired, blue eyed kid out there juggling, trying to make a difference in his neighborhood by engaging people to stop systemic racism. And I think it rubbed off on him. But Doug's girls are very much they have a different point of view. They have a different they were raised different. Both parents, both parents um, instilled in them the beauty in each person. So I just have to work a little harder with mine to get them over that hump. And like I said, my daughter's married to a police officer and, you know, um, their views are much different. And and um, I'm just worried that it's going to rub off on my 15 year old grandson. I see it already happening. So uh, that's another reason to be a big presence. Um, but, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult right now. But it's a great time to engage your kids to make a difference in the world they live in, if anything, just by voting. Trevor, you you had mentioned some of this as far as working with with folks at the brewery, but uh, and just some of the language that you use there. But does it does it seem like you're you have a kind of parental role in some of this conversation here? Like you were saying, as far as even with politics or or some of the the civil rights notion of that, and and kind of being both a leader but also a, a peer, and in some of this to to kind of guide some of this, or, or to know that there's many facets to to this as far as the role you're playing where you're saying you're doing this and this and this and this and wearing 
you know, a dozen hats at the same time. Um, how have you handled that at the the brewery and then just in your kind of personal life to, to step back from that? Yeah. Uh, at work, um, you know, we had a zoom before we opened back up and that obviously came up and the staff wanted to know what we're doing. And they brought up some like kind of newer things that we as a business could do, um, that were opportunities. And I said, of course we can put it on the table. Um, you know, I want to get this business open. I had to pivot so many times that my neck was starting to like almost break off my head. You know, it was just, it was just so much. Um, but when we started having that conversation, we had already had kind of an idea and plan and, and, and like before even there's this uh, there's this whole uh, beer around the Black Lives Matter called Black is Beautiful. If you see these beers, it's awesome. These breweries are basically um, uh, all going to be donating money to some kind of uh, black owned charity. Um, and I really wanted to do that. Um, and I immediately uh had a, a staff member, uh, my only uh, black staff member, um, who actually is very involved with Hope for the Day, come up to me and he basically said, I have to do something. And I said, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to do a beer. And I was like, yep. <laughs> you know, I was like, that was my opportunity to kind of step aside and just, you know, let him do his thing and, and be able to express himself because he had to be feeling frustrated as hell. And I'm like, well, I got some resources. Who do you want to donate to? What are we doing? And, uh, that was pretty much that. Um, we got the, uh, the, um, the beer released, it was his name he wanted to do. He wanted it to be about unity. Um, it was called all for one, one for all. Um, apparently the author, of uh, the three musketeers was was a black person and um he really connected with that with that uh that unity vibe and you know we had some people be like are you is oib trying to say all lives matter and it's just like holy shit i'm not even engaged with that <laughs> it's just like no we're, we're we're uh we're donating the proceeds to my block my hood my city but it's like you know um it becomes difficult because i think there's a lot of people who are frustrated and they want us to do so much more. And I want, and of course I want to do more and it, and it's a balance, right? So I just, I've always kind of show people what I'm doing, uh, why I'm doing it and, and try to do it in as positive way, a positive way as possible. But it's, it's tough because everyone I think is as pissed off and angry as I tend to get sometimes. And in a world where you just realize that no one knows what the fuck they're doing, that's a really scary time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys had that vibe when this whole thing went down, but the minute mm -hmm. that the pandemic happened and things started falling apart, I was like, Oh, no one's got, no one's got a hold of this thing at all. We're all, we're all on our own. Absolutely. And then you see the, you know, the, um, all, all these, uh, this police brutality, these killings. And then you, and then you see the, the messages and how they're getting misconstrued and how the blue lives matter movement you know, was an answer to the Black Lives Matter movement as a way of kind of being like, fuck you, Blue Lives Matter. But now my friends who are like really woke are in this school and everything's a mess. So I can't imagine being a kid. I can't imagine being one of my staff members who have to like serve people who aren't listening. It's it's a very scary world. But I keep on telling everyone this, and this is something I hope to instill in my son is that empathy can go a ton of ways. Um, it's not empathy doesn't just go to people who maybe have less than you, or maybe that to the people that you're leading, it can go to the people who are in leadership and have to make really hard decisions. It can go to uh, people that maybe have a higher station in life. Um, you can be empathetic with anyone at any moment for whatever they're doing and still disagree with them. Um, 
But I think that's kind of what I've been trying to preach more than anything else is people come to me with anger. I can't control the message coming in. I can only control the message coming out. And I just try to do take whatever that shit is that they give me, recycle it, give it back to them in a really positive way. And it makes me feel terrible sometimes because then I'm full of all this toxic bullshit. But then, you know, I go beat the shit out of some crates. So yeah. that's a, a good way to, to put that and, and kind of wrap that all up. Uh, Tina and Jimmy, Bravo. did you have anything to, to add here? Um, yeah, I actually um, wanted to say uh, we've, this is a topic we've uh, talked about probably most of our kids' lives. Um, growing up in a tiny little um, farm town uh, that tends to be more conservative um, than maybe surrounding areas. Um, uh, Jimmy and I both, um, I would say, have very open um, views um, on, on different issues. But uh, as far as racism goes, as far as homophobia goes, um, those types of issues we've, we've talked with our kids about from the time they were young, um, because we wanted to make sure that growing up, um, in this environment that they weren't missing something or they weren't learning something that we didn't believe in. Um, and I, with Henry going to school down South, um, that sort of brought it to another level. Um, being in North Carolina, he said it is very different down there. Um, and, and he loves a, a lot of it. Um, a, a lot of the, the kind of Southern culture down there, mm -hmm. but, um, but it is even more different than, you know, our little, um, our little conservative town. So, um, we've, we've had conversations, um, but I have to say, I am so hopeful. Um, just, seeing the social media of the kids that are really um, on the cusp of adulthood in our area <clears throat> and how passionate they are about these issues and how well-informed they are. And, you know, the kids, uh, high school and college age kids in our town, you know, have, uh, they've started marches and, and different demonstrations, um, I, I have to say, I am really um, pleasantly surprised and and very hopeful with um, this generation, um, you know, growing up, because I think that they will, they're going to change the world. Um, you know, we, we can instill what we what we can um, in our kids. And now, you know, we've been saying this the whole hour, it's it's their time to shine. And I yep. feel like you know what, they're stepping up and they're doing it. And it's, it's a pretty awesome thing to see. That's good I, to hear. Um, when we talk to young kids, I always tell them that one of the reasons I'm telling, I'm letting them know as a stranger, just how wonderful they are and the potentials that they have, um, because they're going to run they're They will be my voice when I'm too old to have a voice. And um, this generation coming up is, filled with activism and empathy and support and kindness. And they're a little flawed. And I think that I would rather have that as a leader, somebody who understands the struggle of other people than somebody who just understands government and they get it. You see that little light go on that. Wow. I can make a difference 
in 20 years if I keep on this path. And like you said, it's so wonderful to see how active they are um, across the board in all kinds of matters, not just, you know, Black Lives Matter or racism, but, you know, you see how um, the death of of um, a Supreme Court justice and how they're all like, oh, my God, this woman was such a great leader. I need to be like that. It's wonderful to see that younger generation doing that. So that means that their parents are making a difference by showing them and by enforcing it. And it, it does. It really gives me hope. So, Tina, I'm like you. I'm, I'm so impressed by how the young kids are stepping up and being a voice. And they're actually remembering what they learned in high school called the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Find out what's going on in this country and who rules and how this person gets appointed and how this person. So it's really good to see the young people finally step up. Because it's good that they're all being active. But you know what, guys? Put the phone down. Go to the polls. Yeah. Put the phone down. You can talk all the shit you want. You can call your Instagram. You can call your Facebook and all this and that, this and that, and hashtag everybody. But if you're sitting on your ass on November 3rd, you ain't doing nothing to help anybody out. Well, and I see a lot of kids doing things like they starting food drives and they're doing clothing drives and um, I don't know. I see young kids doing things like they're helping out with their families by being the paper girl. So instead of getting an allowance from their parents who maybe aren't working as much, they're working towards something. Um, so it's it's the it's just changing from when my children were the young age of beginning to be an adult. I see the kids now and it's just different because our world is different and they're engaged more. Who's our and, that, state and that's so great. I love seeing that they're, um, that they're taking that advantage. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll start to wrap it up, but I'll give everybody some, some time for some closing thoughts here, but just my takeaway is uh, I love I, I took some notes from everything you were saying, Mary, but then also what uh, Trevor just said, as far as empathy can go in both directions or in many directions. Um, and so for some of that, it's, it's the empathy, it's, it's the grace uh, for, for yourself and for, for somebody else. Uh, and then it's the perspective. I, I mean, you get a completely different perspective of the pandemic here. If you're coming back from Columbia, for instance, um, and then being able to go back there from here, or uh, I live a stone's throw from Trevor's brewery now, but I live for 12 years in North Carolina. So I, I know some of the the difference there between uh, um, you know the city here or the rural area here and the rural area there and the cities there uh, and kind of seeing that perspective and, and how to process some of the things differently. So uh, it ends up for me just going through the waves, like like Frank said, as far as coming and going. And I was pretty much in a paralysis very early on being overwhelmed uh, with everything going virtual where I worked remotely to begin with. And now everything is virtual. So I didn't have 720 hours in a day to do all the stuff that was now virtual all at the same time. So it took me some time to breathe, to figure that out, to balance uh, things with, uh, with uh, a kiddo who at the beginning of the pandemic was uh, a wiggle monster uh, like Griff is, but then now literally she's running full speed around the house. So just mm -hmm. in, in that time, that that's the difference uh, needing to adapt. We converted our, our dining room into literally a jungle gym because we drove out to St. Charles and, and got a little Tykes playset, And now that is in, 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 side here because we know winter's coming uh to to kind of borrow trevor's uh, perspective there and and there we're not going to be able to go many places so it's like now she's crawling up a slide where our dining room table used to be um and so it's all about setting ourselves up for that success you know either 
steps at a time, leaps, jumps, bounds, whatever it is, but it, it's, it's a marathon and it's not a sprint. And so the more we can base ourselves around some of that mentality, it, it definitely helps us uh, and kind of uh, builds up some of that armor that we have so that the things that were shaking our bottle kind of just kind of bounce off us now and, and kind of definitely help. So I'll, I'll turn it over to everybody here to, to give some closing thoughts and then we'll, uh, we'll close it up and, and go home for the night. So, or stay home and go do something else. So, uh, Mary, I'll start with you and then I'll go around clockwise on my screen for it and we'll wrap it up. I think the biggest thing in today's culture dealing with children and what's happening in our world and keeping them balanced because you don't want to overwhelm them. They're, you know, they don't have the life experiences that their parents have. My children definitely don't have the life experience that I have, but I do remind them that this is a really important time that they can make a difference and not just in their lives, but in other people's lives. And whether that's bringing somebody some food or reminding somebody when they're shopping, they need to put their mask on because it's a mandate or um, making time for self-care. My daughter has four, three children at home and she's now um, a kindergarten teacher and a sophomore and a high school teacher. And that's not good. But I, you have to remind yourself that you need self-care. Take a bubble bath, listen to some music, go for a walk because um, you have to rely on yourself a lot in here because we don't have the ability of, you know, going down the street and having a cup of coffee or a beer with a friend like we did before. Um, but the biggest thing I remind my children and I remind everybody and um, is that we just need to be kinder, kinder and nicer. Um, don't take a look at what's happening in politics because it's definitely not kind and it's definitely not nice. Um, but you need to be kinder and nicer. You need to be an example in this world because you can change the world one day at a time by your actions. Um, and, uh, we're, we will get through this life will return. And it'll just be a little different and, and we'll have a lot of experience for our adult tools, our tool belt, um, to go forward. I say just keep checking up on people, utilize the social networks, utilize anything you can FaceTime people, call them up, text them. Everybody needs to say hello to someone every once in a while, yeah. promote conversation. How are you guys doing? And it doesn't have to be this month. Every month, every day is suicide prevention day in our lives. We need to converse with people more. Yeah. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Let me show you this really cool, weird filter that I got. It makes <laughs> my nose look really big and I'm looking like the guy from. Um, so, you know, reach out to people, touch people, touch their soul, touch their heart. They'll touch you back. Excellent. Frank. Um, I think I'm going to wrap it up just saying I think I've learned uh, something from everybody on this panel today and a um, great opportunity to be here. So I know anybody that definitely tuned in heard some very good recommendations on uh, maybe how to, you know, vent that pressure or, uh, you know, see how other people um, dealt with their home lives during this uh, during these times and especially with their children and uh, grandchildren or so forth and so on. So uh, I just want to appreciate it. And uh, thanks for everybody uh, putting in that two cents. It was, uh, it was a good time. All right. Awesome. Uh, Trevor, you're up next. Uh, yeah, man. I, uh, amazing as like a new dad to hear people have been parents and it breaks my heart to hear about your losses. Um, you know, my, my heart really goes out to you guys. I, I, 
love my son so much. So that was just gut wrenching, but you know, um, getting everyone's perspectives is absolutely amazing. And I'll, and I'll just say this much, you know, like I've been pretty obsessed with, um, just how much influence social media has on everyone and specifically kids. And, you know, back in the day we had the advantage of reading a newspaper, getting a lot of different opinions, a lot of different thoughts. And now with the way the algorithms work, we're getting very specific news for everybody. So that's kind of what's happening, I think, in a big way, since so many people get their news that way. It's literally tearing us apart because we're not getting a lot of we're not getting unbiased news and we're unfriending people all the time. And I think what we need to do more than anything else right now is teach people to listen and disarm people by listening to them. And that's hard to do when they're also threatening your life by not putting on a mask. But once they do that and then being like, what's going on? What's got you frustrated and still being to activate that level of empathy, even um, amidst um, among so much of your own anger is going to be so important um, because they'll talk if you're willing to listen. And um, I think that's something um, I really want to instill in my kid is to disarm people with compassion. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a great uh, takeaway. I'm definitely right now and down Tina and Jimmy. Any final closing closing thoughts there? Uh, still muted? Yeah, we're muted. There, there you go. go. There, yeah. <laughs> Life is so much more complicated when you have three dogs in your lap. <laughs> <laughs> my dog was like taking my arm away so I couldn't unmute us. Um, we call them dog blankets. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I have right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I also wanted to say like I'm so honored to be included on this panel. Um, honored as always to be connected with Hope for the Day. Um, like Frank said, I've learned um, you know from from every what everybody has said. Um, what a what a cool group of uh, of people they've collected here. Um, I think my closing thoughts um, are inclusivity. Um, we are all part of the human race. We're all on the same damn team. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I think that's just what I keep trying to tell people. And I know, um, you know, when my daughter was young, she didn't always feel part of the team or she didn't always feel included. And I know how hurtful that can be, you know, as a young person. And I think, um, you know, as, as people grow, um, into adults, um, that hurt can be expressed in, in many different ways that are, are not healthy and, and that are actually harmful to other people. So, um, our daughter was also one of the kindest, most forgiving creatures, humans I've, I've ever met. Um, that's part of our foundation's mission is, is the be kind. So thank you for bringing that up, Mary. Um, so yeah, being kind and including people, um, the empathy is huge, Trevor, like that's, everyone deserves that. So I even, you know, I, I have my political ideas and I really try to have empathy, um, for the other side, because I don't know why, uh, they have their thoughts and their ideas and, you know, it's, it's something I always try to remind myself that I don't know what people are going through. I don't know what they've been through. Um, it's, it's just a good rule to be kind, have empathy and, and, and include people whenever you can. And I think you always can. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, and and like everyone's saying, thank you for for inviting um, me to be a part of this. And and one of the things that I'm taking away is, um, you know, in in today's craziness of everything that's going on, um, I I'm constantly reminded that everybody has an opinion, and uh, and that's that's for me that's that's good um you know i i listen i have on my my uh radio you know i have uh you know political stations on the radio right and but i have every you know every uh uh segment you know on there and i try to when i drive home i try to listen to each radio station um you know some i i agree with uh, the others I, I don't necessarily agree with, but I want to still listen um, because I, I think it's so important uh, that that everyone's being heard. And I think where we get lost is when it's it's more important for us to be right than to be heard or, or to listen. And uh, I think a lot of times that's where we're at right now. And, and so much, you know, anger bubbles out um, because uh, people feel that they have to be right. Um, and, and it's okay for, for me, it's okay for everybody to have a different opinion. Um, and, uh, and I just, I, I hope that we can get to be more civil and, uh, and listen more and, and maybe learn more, you know, from everybody. And, and hopefully that gets us to, uh, to a better place eventually. So, um, so thanks for everyone giving your, giving your opinions and, um, you know, Rick, thanks for creating an environment where we all felt safe enough to be able to, uh, to share our stories. That's, I think that's just so important, you know, people who feel safe to, to be who they are and, and share and, and feel hurt. Yeah. Thank, thank you. And I, I want to thank all of you, uh, you know, Trevor, Frank, Doug, Mary, Jimmy, Tina. Um, we weren't able to have, uh, Ryan Shannon from, our project red team joined us tonight. He was feeling a little under the weather, so we missed out on him, but thank you all for, for coming and sharing. And the, as, as I said in the intro, this was a kind of a good juxtaposition in, in ages of, of children and then parenting and experiences. And so I think between last week and this week, we really got a good 360 degree view of, you know, what is parenting in 2020, what is living in 2020 and the, the microcosm for all of the, individual experiences that we have as well as just the the collective experiences as, as well so um I, i'd like to thank all of our listeners joining us for taking the time to be a part of uh you know the overlooked conversation of, of parenting and and the role of a parent as an individual and you know it, it's been hammered home and some of your closing thoughts that we we don't really know where some of those, those people are coming from in, in any regard, as far as just outside of our own personal experience. Um, so, you know, being able to listen to some of the best and worst of, of parenting and, and grandparenting uh, in 2020 so far has, has been really beneficial for me. And I'm sure it has been for our guests. Um, I'd like to invite everyone to join Hope for the Day on October 8th uh, of this upcoming year from 9 to 2.30 uh, in the afternoon, that's Central Time, for the Conversation Summit 2020. Uh, it's free attendance. It's a virtual event. You can you know attend free with a RSVP over at conversationsummit.com. Uh, with some inside information on what we've got going on for this year, it, it's going to be an excellent event. We were able to have it in person last year uh, in at the UIC Forum in, in Chicago. Uh, this year, it's, it's going virtual. Um, but the, the, 
conversation, the programming, uh, and all the interaction that we're doing there dovetails perfectly with everything we talked about this week, everything we talked about last week, um, and all the work that, uh, you know, Mary, uh, that you've mentioned, and then, uh, Tina, you've mentioned as far as the, the separate communications and, and Jimmy, the, the work that, that you do in, in some of those groups there too. So the, it's all about continuing that conversation. Um, and so that's a great next step for, for that, for our audience that tunes in here weekly uh, and is looking for a bigger engagement um, with some of the, the local uh, youth oriented uh, mental health services and suicide prevention uh, campaigns as, as well there. So. Uh, I also want to make sure I thank the the production team because Conversations Cafe would not be able to be brought to you without the the amazing production and planning crew that we do have uh, with our our usual uh, guest here, Carl Evans, uh, Mike Vanopel, uh, as folks have mentioned here, who who congratulations to to Mike uh, who recently was married yeah, this week, yeah. hence why he's not here, um, no rightfully so. Um, Vicky, Vicky Sisnet, Angel Overton and, and Maisie, who are actually uh, out working one of the kind of the first tabled events that Hope for the Day has had since the, the shutdown began. Um, so we're starting to, to kind of get back out into the community again to, to be that that person to person connection, even if it is just setting up a table and standing back while people interact with some resources it's still there being present and still kind of making that connection. Um, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us this week. You can catch us here every week at conversationscafe.org, uh, 6 PM Thursday, central time. Uh, if you don't like redirects, you can always, you know, like subscribe, uh, and hit the alerts on both Facebook and, and YouTube, uh, to get alerted when we do go live. Um, I know I get them on all the platforms, so I'm sure many people here do as well. But uh, we'll close it up and wrap it up tonight. So, uh, again, thank you, everyone here. It's been amazing. Uh, I took notes and more timestamps to come back to this uh, to, to check on some of the amazing conversation that we had. But we're going to close it out with a short PSA about the Stigma Swear Jar campaign uh, that Hope for the Day is running for Suicide Prevention Month um, and how you can get involved with that. So, everyone, have a wonderful night, and we hope to hear from you soon. Thank, thank you everyone. so much. Thank, thank you. you. Mental health stigma forces us to be silent. This September, for Suicide Prevention Month, Hope for the Day invites you to tell stigma how you really feel. Kiss my ass, stigma. F*** you, stigma. Stigma is yucky. The truth is, stigma looks different for each of us. <laughs> Go to stigmaswearjar.com and tell stigma how you really feel. Donate and support suicide prevention and share your story. Join us at stigmaswearjar.com. The more we talk about mental health, the more we realize we're not alone. Thank you so very much for joining us this week. We hope you had as good a time listening as we had recording the interview. Don't forget to check out anthologiesofhope.com backslash playlist for all the awesome songs that will get added each week. You can find us on social media at Anthologies of Hope on Facebook and Instagram and Anthologies Pod on Twitter. It would be great if you could subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google and leave us a review. As always, remember... Everyone has a story, and it's about time we start listening.
This has been a production of Ox Audio. For more information on Ox and the Ox Audio Podcast Network, visit us online at oxchicago.com.